When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga from Cleveland.com, joined as always by our tribe beat writer, Paul Hoynes. Paul, uh, another week of getting ready for the hot stove to really heat up. You expect a lot of movement to, to maybe start happening as we get a little closer to the winter meetings in December? Yeah, I think it, it'll, uh, you know, coming off the GM meetings and the owners meetings, uh, there's usually some trades that are made just before the, the the winter meetings, uh, which are from, I, I believe, uh, December 9th through the 13th in Las Vegas. And then after, you know, that two-week period after that, Joe, that, you know, that's when a lot of trades are made as, as well. Uh, but the Indians kind of kick things off. I mean, Seattle, Jerry DePoto beat everybody to the punch as, as usual with, uh, you know, the Malik Smith uh, uh, deal. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the Indians are kind of right on their heels yesterday. Well, you go for you go from Trader Jerry out there to uh, yeah the uh, the Indians announced a, a five player deal with Pittsburgh uh, yesterday. It was Jordan Luplo and Max Moroff are joining the Indians, and uh, the Indians say goodbye to Eric Gonzalez, a utility infielder who's been with the organization for almost a decade, uh, and and is really you know never was a guy who never really. Uh, was able to reach his full potential because of the, the guys who were ahead of him blocking him. Yeah. I mean, I really liked, uh, I like Gonzo. I, I like him as a person, like him as a player, kind of saw him grow up. I mean, he's a big dude now. Mm-hmm. He's like six, four. He looks like he could still fill out. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, not playing really kind of hurt him last year. You could tell at the end of the year, his, his defense got a little sloppy, but uh, I think he, I think he's going to get a shot to play maybe every day at shortstop or, or be in the, the competition in Pittsburgh for a middle in, infield job. He's got a great arm, uh, natural shortstop. He wasn't going to play here with Lindor, um, so it, it's still kind of a, an interesting trade. I don't know how much it moves the needle. Doesn't move the needle much for me, but but who knows? You know, uh, they needed they need some, um, you know. Uh, uh, What's uh, more off as a switch hitter with a little bit of pop and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Luplo a, a right-handed hitter which they need so we'll see how it goes. As the uh, as the the trade was being announced to us uh, or, or we we got sort of a heads up on it. Uh, hey, there's a move coming. It's about a three and a half out of ten was yeah, was, yeah. was how the move was characterized. Yeah, that's like I always like. Is that the Richter scale of trades? <laughs> well. It was, it was funny because the uh, the timing of it, uh, we got the notice and, and they said the, the move would be announced at 4:20 uh, p.m. yesterday, and I thought it was it had to be something about Bauer. I thought, oh man, they signed Bauer uh, or, or they 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 got an extension because you know just just in reference to uh, Bauer's affinity for certain numbers. Oh yeah, right, um, right. I did, I didn't even think about that, that. That really got my radar up when when yeah. that happened. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But, you know, just uh, really briefly and what the return was for the Indians on that trade, Jordan Luplo, like you said, uh, right-handed hitting, uh, corner outfielder primarily. Uh, Antonetti seems to think he can play center field, but 
Uh, you know, this this is this isn't maybe necessarily a guy who's blessed with a, a lot of speed. Uh, he did have four triples uh, in in the last two seasons with uh, with Pittsburgh as he um, played in sixty four games. Uh, he started out he 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 started as a an infielder and actually moved to the outfield because of some injuries. Uh, a right handed hitting corner outfielder who's who has a history of uh, minor injuries. Who uh, the Indians just replaced Brandon Geyer with Brandon Geyer. Yeah, he'll fit in perfect here. Does he get Does he get hit with a lot of pitches? Well, uh, we'll see. But uh, you know, I guess the hope for the Indians is that he develops uh, into a guy who who puts the ball in play a little more than the the one ninety four uh, batting average would indicate. And uh, the other thing about uh, Luplo, uh, I mentioned to you before, uh, he was a college roommate, uh, or I'm sorry, yeah, a, a college teammate of not roommate, teammate of Aaron Judge uh, from the from the Yankees. So uh, maybe you can get inside the, the mind of the enemy there with uh, with Luplo if you can you can figure out uh, what, what a number of ways to harass Aaron Judge as he comes to the plate against the Indians. Yeah, and he's uh, what the uh, great uncle of uh, or Al Luplo, former Indian outfielder who just passed away, uh, was his great uncle. He uh, so uh, you know so there's a little some 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 roots there, you know, a little connection there right. with Cleveland and and Pittsburgh. They both played in Pittsburgh as well. Right. Uh, as far as Max Moroff goes, uh, interesting thing uh, that I found we dug up about him. Uh, 2005, he and Dante Bichette Jr. were on the uh, Florida team representing the uh, in the Little League World Series. So uh, uh, very interesting. He, he actually got to go back and play in Williamsport uh, in the 2017 uh, big league game that they have in association with the, the Little League World Series. So uh, a lot of fun for him. But, uh, yeah, this is a guy who's uh, – yeah, I dug up an old photo of him as a 12-year-old playing uh, in the Little League World Series. Uh, that's great package so very interesting uh he sounds like uh, a guy you know your typical uh switch hitter uh uh, infield utility guy who uh actually can put the ball in play uh luplo and moroff were both named pirates minor league players of the year um moroff in 2015 and luplo in 2017 so you know, there there's something there. It's just uh, yeah. a matter of will they be able to produce at the big league level for the Indians? Yeah, and Luplo has one option left, so he can go back down. Uh, more off is out of options, so he's gonna. You know, they're gonna be have to make a decision with him at the end of spring training. But I would think it sounds like he might, you know, kind of step in for uh, step in for Gonzalez as as a at least a, a candidate for the utility job to move right. around a little bit. So yeah, like you said, uh, you know, not not necessarily a move that uh, that sort of makes the needle jump, but uh, uh, if 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 you're thinking about adding outfield depth and you know plugging a, a hole with a, a more controllable player in terms of uh, uh, the the utility infield guy, uh, I, I guess they accomplished that and uh, it would it, you know killed two birds with this this one move. Yeah, and they need numbers, Joe. They need numbers in the outfield. They need some guys out there so they can make some decisions because obviously it doesn't look like Brantley or Rajat Davis or maybe even Milky Cabrera are coming back. So, and you know, you like uh, I think you pointed out today, uh, you know, Zimmer and and, and uh, Zimmer and uh, Leonis Martin and and 
Naquin are all, you know, we don't know just how, how ready for how ready they're going to be or when they're going to be, uh, you know, able to play because of injuries and illness. All right. All right. Let's move on to uh, the news from yesterday. Corey Kluber, as, uh, as I think a lot of us uh, pretty much figured and predicted when the finalists were announced for the American League Cy Young Award, uh, Corey, Kluber, uh, Corey Kluber finishes third. Uh, again, this is what, four years in a row he's finished in the top, uh, top three? Or well, four, yeah, four out of the last five. Four, yeah, four of the last five. And four out of the last five, he's finished in the top three. I don't think a lot of people really. Uh, once, once Trevor Bauer, uh, you know, suffered his injury, I don't think uh, a lot of Indians fans held out a lot of hope that you know one of the one of the Indian starters was going to win the the Cy Young mm-hmm. Award. Uh, Kluber did come in and, and you know win twenty games and uh, pitched the most innings in the American League. But uh, Blake Snell, uh, uh, you know, pretty pretty obvious choice there among the the guys who were left standing at the end of the season. Yeah, he was a dominant, you know, dominant left-hander. Didn't pitch as, you know, I think, uh, you know, obviously I think the vote, the way the voting has changed, you know, amongst uh, the BBWA, I think, uh, you know, being available every day or every five days may, may have lost some of its uh, luster. He only pitched 180 innings. Kluber and Verlander pitched, you know, at least almost 40 innings each, more than him, you know. And uh, um, they they had, uh, you know, Verlander struck out 290 guys, uh, Snell 221, Kluber 222. But I think the fact that, you know, everyone <laughs> says the win has been devalued, you know, as pitchers' wins have been devalued. But, you know, Snell still won 21 games on a team that, you know, didn't have a great rotation that used the uh, opener and the closer and, you know, 45 relievers, you know, every other, every other start, it seemed like. So I think wins helped this guy. I think wins definitely helped him, uh, you know, um, to win that and to win the Cy Young. And what I think he only gave up 10 hits with runners in scoring position all year. So he was a pretty dominant. He, he beat the Indians twice and, they had no chance against them. Right, and that and, and I would go back to that. You know, just seeing him in two games against the Indians, he was he he was electric in terms of the stuff that he threw out there, and, and guys were were swinging and missing, and and he was hitting his spots. I, I think uh, he did everything that you would expect a Cy Young Award winner to do. Uh, the only possible drawback would have been the the number of innings, but. Again, he he did have he did have a little bit of an injury uh, situation where he missed a few uh, starts there. Uh, again, uh, I have no problem with uh, yeah. Blake Snell uh, award uh, winning the the AL award. Uh, you might you might have a question about the uh, the NL winner though, uh, Jacob Degrom. <laughs> uh, again, the uh, he picks up his eleventh win of the season in uh, in the postseason awards. I guess is, is the way you can put it. Yeah, you know, very interesting uh, that, uh, you know, this guy, ten, what, 10 and 7, maybe? Mm-hmm. 10, mm-hmm. I, I forget what his overall record. But he had, you know, the great ERA, led, led all the baseball. He had, every, he had everything that you look for in a Cy Young winner, but, you know, the number of wins. And as we said, you know, the wins, you know, can really, you know, kind of skewer uh, the performance of a, of a pitcher. You know, at least uh, you know in the terms you know in in the terms of the analytically uh, uh, you know the guys that lean toward the analytics and uh, this guy you know 
struck out 200, over 200 guys, had a bunch of innings. He, you know, I, I think he, Joe, I was reading it. He, he made, he only allowed four runs in one start. That was the most earned runs he allowed in, in, in any in start. Any start in, yeah. in 33, 34 starts, uh, pitched on a bad club, uh, you know, really 3.5 runs, you know, he only received the lowest run support of any starter, 3.5 runs, an average of from the from his teammates. So, uh, yeah, I think he was a, a legitimate and uh, National League candidate. I mean, a Cy Young candidate, NL Cy Young candidate. Was he better than Max Scherzer? I don't know. You know Max Scherzer struck out 300 guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only the you know not. It's only happened like five times since 2000. Uh, you know. 300, you know, that's, that's like, uh, you know, Bob Feller's stuff, you know, 300, 300, uh, 300 strikeouts in a, in a five man rotation. I mean, 300 strikeouts uh, and you and didn't win the Cy Young. Three, so, 300, uh, 300 strikeouts and he didn't win the Cy Young. Uh, you, you, it's it's got to be, got to be a special circumstance then. Right. right. And, and, you know, obviously I think, uh, you know, DeGrom was a special circumstance, you know, but 10 wins, you know, the old school guy in me still kind of grates at that, but uh, it is what it is. You know, I I got over it. You know, I've been I got over that when Felix Hernandez uh, won 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 it in what 2010 with 13 wins. I, right. So I'm past that. I understand. I get I get it. I get it. Why these guys get votes, and I you know get it that there's you know lots of different ways to uh, evaluate uh, the accomplishments of of a pitcher rather than wins. Well, speaking of evaluating, uh, let's uh, let's pull on the uh, the GM cap and pull on the you know uh, sit in Chris Antonetti's seat right now and and let's uh, let's evaluate uh, let's give assign value to uh, a guy like a Corey Kluber. Like we said, he's finished uh, at least in the top three, four out of the last five years in Cy Young voting. What? And, and the rumors are out there. The The situation is obvious that the Indians are, are possibly looking to, you know, add depth to the roster by trading uh, a starting pitcher, possibly Kluber, possibly, possibly Carrasco. Uh, that, what would a guy like Kluber bring back in return? And what would the Indians demand in, in terms of a return for a guy like Kluber? Well, I think you, you got to get at least three guys back, Joe. And, uh, You've got to get a, a you know, two, at least two of them have to be major league ready, maybe on the cusp of being major league ready. You've got to get one guy back that's under control, that is going to fill the biggest need on your roster, and he's got to be major league ready. Mm-hmm. You've got to get another arm back to to not take Kluber's place, but you know maybe down the road take his place. Uh, and I think you've got to get at least a, one of a, the other teams uh, like a top five or top 10 prospect. And that's, that's at the very least, because I don't think you're ever going to get his value back. You know, you're not going to get, you're not going to get equal value for Kluber. And, you know, I've had scouts tell me that he looks like a guy that's been pitched a lot and he has been pitched a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, the last five years he's pitched over, I think 200, at least 203 innings a year, you know, uh, over 200 strikeouts a year. This is a guy that that's got got some mileage on him. He's going to be 33 in April, so you you know you take that into account. But uh, he's also the face of your franchise pitching wise. He's also probably one of the most accomplished pitchers in Indians history, and he's he's one of the top pitchers in, in the big leagues today. So if you're going to trade him, you can't miss. 
And, and on top of all that, he's also, you know, probably the heart of your, your clubhouse. If, if Josh Tomlin moves on, obviously Josh Tomlin has been there forever and, you know, but they sit right next to each other in the clubhouse. And, you know, if Tomlin is, is one, then Kluber is one a in terms of, you know, leadership and example and what it, what you want in that clubhouse. Uh, if, if Kluber gets traded before the start of this season, how does that change things? What, what kind of void and what kind of vacuum does that leave yeah. uh, the Indians if that happens? That's a great question, Joe. I mean, uh, you know, I know, uh, you know, uh, man, I was just, you know, Kluber, uh, who's, oh, God, I can't think of the guy that, that, but Kluber, yeah, he was the leader. He was definitely the leader on that, on that club. It's, it's, uh, to me, it's hard for a pitcher to be kind of, you know, like the everyday leader of a team just because they don't play every day. But I think in Kluber's case, he had, he had, uh, he had earned that respect. And uh, he, 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 you know, he wasn't, I don't think he was a rah-rah guy. I think he was a guy that did it by example. I think, uh, you know, he gave his team a chance to, to win every day. I think those pitchers followed him. There was a reason, you know, every, when, every, when any starter threw a bullpen session, all four starters, the, the other four or five starters were out there watching him. I think he, he, that was the, he was the reason behind that. And uh, you, you, you lose a lot if you trade him. And, uh, you know, is, is Carlos Carrasco ready to, to do that? Is he ready to, you know, is, is Trevor Bauer, is, uh, uh, who, you know, who is Lindor ready to, to step up and, and take control of the team? I don't know. But I think, you know, Kluber is the guy right now. You're losing Brantley. I think Brantley was a big guy in, among the position players. So, yeah, there, there could be, you know, this, these guys have been through enough where I don't think a leader is, is the be-all and end-all. But there has to be a change in, in leadership in that clubhouse if, if you trade a guy like Kluber. All right. Uh, let's uh, jump into some questions here. I know uh, you had a few submitted, and then we, we got a couple from, uh, from email. So uh, what do you got off the top here, uh, yeah, I, I, I've got one from Bob Strzok. He goes, I believe we are witnessing the decline of the Indians. Money does matter. <laughs> What's your take? The decline of the Indians. Uh, three consecutive uh, AL Central championships, uh, starting staff under control until uh, 2020. Uh, you know, Francisco Lindor and uh, Jose Ramirez. Two of the top players in all of baseball overall. I, I, yeah, this this is not a team in decline by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, you're still playing in the AL Central, which is uh, the Indians and four other teams that can't get out of their own way. So, uh, no, this is not a team in decline. Yeah, I think it's a team in an interesting spot, Joe. I think it's a team that probably is trying to thread the needle here. They they know they've got enough talent to win win a bad division. They also know that uh, they're kind of at their breaking point payroll-wise, and uh, they're going to have to uh, – it's going to take some delicate finessing to, uh, you know, keep this team not only on the right path but on the winning path and to avoid, you know, taking a Kansas City Royals-like plunge to, uh, you know, where, where you're not – I don't know you could be almost accused of tanking or, or the White Sox right. plunge where, where you, you know, you conduct a fire sale and then you start over. So it's, it's going to be really interesting this winter. 
All right. We, who else you got next? Okay. Uh, I guess we talked about this, but this guy said, can you explain the Eric Gonzalez trade to me? I'm a little <laughs> baffled by it. This from uh, Larry Stewart from Galapagos. Galapagos? I don't know. Galapagos? Yeah, Galapagos. Yeah. Galapagos. Yeah. You know what? I, I think I don't think you're gonna hear. You would hear a complaint out of Eric Gonzalez about this move because it gives it opens things up for him and gives him a chance to to play. And that 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 really is all all a player wants is the opportunity to get out there and be able to get on the field. And and he's not he was not going to get that here with Eric uh, with Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez playing the two spots that he could you know best be out there on the field and, and second and short. So I this is the best thing for Eric Gonzalez as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah. I, I, you know, and I'm looking at how does it help the Indians? I think it, it gives them some depth, you know, like we were mm-hmm. talking about stockpiles, a guy in the middle infield, you got a, you get a right-handed hitting outfielder. Maybe he's Geyer's replacement like you were talking about. So, so we'll see, but I, you know, obviously this is the first move in, in what I think is going to be a pretty busy off season for the Indians. Okay. Uh, Let's uh, take David Tucky from Columbus uh, emailed the two of us actually. And uh, I I read through David, David, if you're listening, I read through your email uh, all the way through and you sound like a completely reasonable and rational uh, Indians fan, which is uh, not the kind of guy who, who typically emails or tweets at me and Hoinsey. So uh, so what are you doing tweeting? Thank you for that. You're way out of place here, but uh, let's see. You know, the gist of his email was basically, you know, hey, he's not – he doesn't blame the the Dolans for not adding payroll at this time. And they're going to add payroll regardless because of, uh, uh, you know, because arbitration, uh, salary increases. I think it will be around the same uh, total payroll. But, I, you know, they've, they've set records the last couple of years every year – staying in this, this frame of contention. So he doesn't, if David says he doesn't blame the Indians, if they don't, because they're playing in a division where they could let guys like, uh, you know, if Kipnis goes out and plays left field and, and see if, if Naquin and Yandy Diaz can, can go come in and contribute and coast along basically until uh, the end of the season there. Uh, so, so yeah, do, do you, do you see it that way? Do you, do you not blame the, the Dolans if they, if they don't add payroll again this year? Well, I think, you know, I think, you know, kind of the attendance may have caught, caught up to them a little bit here. Um, you know, they, they've drawn, like we've talked before, they've drawn 2 million fans once in, in the last 10 years. Now, you know, attendance isn't the only revenue stream for a team, obviously. But I think for mid to small market clubs, it means a lot. And, uh, you know, they, they've kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're deficit spending and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're spending more than they're taking in. And uh, I think they've kind of, you know, Antonetti and, and uh, the front office, you know, obviously has been told that, uh, you know, we've got to kind of rein it in a little bit. We've got to try to be smart. We've got to, but we still want to try to win. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I understand it. Um you know, and I think there's still a possibility of these, like we've seen the last couple of years, that you know, if if they are in a good, if they are in a good position, if they are, 
Um, you know, winning the division come the trade deadlines in July and August. So make a move. They'll add some help in, in you know, in, in hopes of, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, progressing better, deeper into the postseason than they have the last two years. So I get it. Yeah, I, I, I do understand. Yeah. And, and I, uh, I, I think that point that you made there at the end is, is, is really good is that if there is an opportunity to add a bat or add an arm, that they really need. Uh, they've, they've shown in the past that they're willing to go out and spend. The reason they got Jay Bruce in 2017 was because they were willing to spend money that the Yankees right. of all teams weren't, will, weren't willing to spend. So that's they did the same thing with Josh Donaldson this, this time around. So. Yeah. That, that's an indication to me that this isn't a team that's, or, or an ownership group that's, you know, trying to pinch pennies or, or, you know, trying to be cheap or anything like that. I think that's a mischaracterization that uh, a lot of fans want to throw out there. Uh, would it be great if Jeff Bezos and Amazon came in and bought the team and had unlimited funds and could just spend and not care? That'd be super. The, the Indians would go from a, a small market team to a, a team that could, could play with the big boys, but that's, that's not happening. He's yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Indians have the ownership that they have, and, and that's not going to change anytime soon. We got uh, one more here from Joe. Um, this is from uh, Victor Fiore from May- Mayfield Heights. Do you have any idea why cl- the, the Indians didn't make Michael Brantley a qualifying offer? Uh, and from all, you know, Chris Antonetti told us uh, in a conference call a- after they, that deadline passed uh, that there's no communication or no prior knowledge about whether a guy will or won't accept a qualifying offer. So that would have been the only reason I would have thought that they, that they wouldn't extend him that offer would be because they were worried that he would take it and, and that would throw things off. You know, yeah, if, I think, I think if, it was. Go ahead. Go if on, you were planning, on. if you were planning on not spending seventeen point nine million on one player, then you're going to not extend that offer because you 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 risk him taking the offer. Exactly, and that's and I think that's uh, you know that's why they didn't because I think they they thought there was a chance Michael might take the offer, and uh, they have limited dollars to work with this winter, and uh, I think they. They wanted to go in a different direction. So, uh, you know, obviously they love Brantley. Uh, Brantley liked it here. It's the only, you know, big league team he's ever played with. Uh, and he's done, you know, did a great job. But uh, I think, uh, you know, just from everything you read, Brantley's probably going to get a multi-year deal. And uh, it just doesn't – I don't think that was that was going to happen here. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I just thought that, you know, given uh, Brantley's uh, – you know, kind of his uh, his his injury history. I think they they may have thought uh, he might take it for one year, and you know, you know, try to you know play, you know, get back to back healthy years behind him, and then go out in the free agent market again. Uh, yeah, like you said, he he's he's probably going to draw a multi year uh, offer. Where where do you think, and where have you you heard uh, the possibility? Uh, I'm hearing the White Sox as a possibility. And that would just be awful to have to face him 19 times. Yeah, a year. That would not be great. Uh, uh, but 
But I think, you know, the White Sox are kind of in on a lot of people, it sounds like. Uh, Machado and, and Bryce Harper, you know, I think they've thought they think – every, every team with, a big, with the ability to spend money is going to be in on Bryce Harper and yeah. Machado. The reality is there's like three teams that can actually right. – either of those guys. But uh, I think, you know, the White Sox feel their rebuilding process is far enough along that where they uh, they feel that if they added a like a, a Machado for six seven eight years, they could they could he could be the cornerstone of that that club, and maybe Brantley is a backup plan to that. And now you know Atlanta has has shown some interest, and I think Philadelphia has shown some interest. I know the Phillies were scouting Michael uh, at the end of the year, the regular season. Yeah, I think Philly might be doing that as like uh, having having Brantley as their backup plan if they if they go really hard at at Bryce Harper. Uh, right. I, I have a feeling Philly's going to get one of the two of them just for the way that the way that they've been talking and, and the way that they're they actually have the ability to go out and spend because their their money isn't all tied up. They they might also try and move uh, Carlos Santana. I saw that. Yeah, so they can get Reese Hoskins back to uh, back to playing first base. Um, but Carlos Santana, hey, what what's Carlos Santana making? Uh, he's he's in that twenty million dollar range three now. For, yeah, three for oh. sixty million. So well. I don't know who's going to take him for two two at uh, forty million for the next two years. I don't know. That's uh, Carlos did all right, but I don't know where he's going to. If the Phillies move him, they're going to have to eat a bunch of that salary. I was going to say the Phillies if if they trade him away, they'd have to pay for his April salaries for the next two years, right? Because because he yeah. doesn't hit in April. Uh, right. All right. Uh, we are uh, sort of this far into the uh, the off season here. Uh, you know, the awards have are, have been rolling out steadily. Uh, this past week, we saw the Rookie of the Year. The uh, hey, I, I got to talk to a, a, a couple of uh, Japanese TV stations who wanted to know why I voted for Shohei Otani as the uh, the Rookie of the Year in the AL. And it's like, guys, oh, come yeah. on. Hey, I had, I had, uh, there was a question. Yeah. Some guy was, uh, some guy was complaining about, uh, he didn't think Shohei Otani should, uh, th- this guy, Jack, uh, I think, uh, I'm not, I'm going to butcher his name. Bass, Bass uh, he's, he didn't think, uh, Otani should have won the AL, the AL rookie of the year because he had played, you know, he had played several years in, in Japan. Well, I mean, so did Ichiro. Did you think Ichiro right. deserved it? I mean, that's uh, Hoinsey, Who would you have voted for if you uh, if you were casting a ballot for the AL Rookie of the that, Year? That was a tough one for me. I, and I I don't think um, I I thought Otani. You know, did what was he was remarkable what he did pitching and hitting. Mm-hmm. I thought he did a great job swinging the bat. Uh, Anduhar, I thought I would have probably voted for him just because he played every day. Huh. But uh, but uh, Otani, I, w- I wasn't even thinking about Otani's past, you know. I I, I mean, what what he had done in in Japan, I, that right. was that would not have been the reason I didn't vote for him. But I, you know, I can understand why he voted because what he did was so unusual, you know. And and just you know, since what Babe Ruth probably, you know. Yeah, first first player with 15 home runs and pitching 50 innings since Babe Ruth. Uh, you know, yeah, and that's. That's saying a lot, you know. I, and I maybe if he wouldn't have gotten hurt, you know, and, and had to stop pitching, I, I may have, uh, you know, I, I, I think I would have changed, you know, probably voted for him. But you know, with with the question, what you know, 
you know, the, the award is named after Jackie Robinson, Rookie of the Year award. Mm-hmm. Jackie Ro- Robinson played in, in, in the Negro Leagues before he came to the big leagues. Right. You know, so, I, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think, you know, I think you've got to, you know, look at it that way. I mean, uh, uh, you know, the big leagues is a big step. Uh, if you've played in professionally somewhere else, I don't think it should be a reason you don't vote for a guy. Yeah, I mean, if a guy spends – eight, 10 years in the minors and comes up and has an outstanding rookie season and he's, you know, 27, 28 years old. We've seen guys win, win the award at, at an advanced age. So, uh, yeah, Ichiro was, was older when he won that because he had played longer in, uh, in, in Japan than, than most guys who come over. But uh, I, I'm not holding any of his, his previous uh, outings. To me, the reason I voted, uh, my, my ballot was Otani, Andahar and um, Joey Wendell from uh, Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay, who you know I thought he was excellent when he when we saw him against the Indians. I thought yeah. he was excellent, and uh, I believe Fangraphs War he he led the uh, All American League rookies. So yeah. I, I you know, and I'm not catching any. Uh, I only caught a little bit of heat from New York fans who who didn't like the right, uh, right. didn't like my ballot. But, but I, you uh, know, that was I thought that was a good choice. I I, I you know I don't. Think you can argue? There's not much of an argument there, but it's a tough. It was a tough, uh, kind of a tough vote, though. You know, usually yeah. rookie of the year is kind of cut and dry, but but that was a tough one. That was, uh, and so the Japanese uh, TV stations called you. Yeah, they. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did about a 20 minute interview with uh, with uh, a Japanese television station, and uh, hopefully, you know, nothing gets lost in translation. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want uh, something coming out and say, well, you know, this Cleveland writer thinks. Uh, Otani is this elite dominant player. I was like, no, I just think, you know, when he, when he pitched, he was as good as any ace pitcher yeah. in the, in the American league. And, and when he was at the plate, I thought he was as effective as any, you know, you know, really good all-star type uh, hitter at, at the plate. I, you know, watching him hit uh, an O or was it a, a two Oh four seam fastball from Corey Kluber. 400 feet the opposite way uh, in in a game where Kluber was rolling, I thought that was pretty impressive. And you know, he 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 definitely lived up to all the hype and then some. Yeah, I mean, in spring training, he looked overmatched. I thought this guy. I watched him and I said, God, they got to send this guy down to Double A. There's no <laughs> way he can he can hit big league pitching. And he was facing Kluber. Kluber made him look silly in an exhibition game in in uh, Mesa. Uh, Mesa, uh, Arizona. And then, you know, the first time he faces Kluber, you know, I think, uh, what, a second series of the uh, season, he takes him deep, and then he took him deep again in Cleveland, right, I think? Or, no, he, uh, hit, uh, he hit two home runs off of Clevenger. In- oh, yeah, right, right. Actually, right. actually, when Kluber faced him in Cleveland, Kluber made him look silly. Uh, that was the game where, uh, where Kluber uh, threw a Maddox against the uh Oh, right. A three-hit shutout on 98 pitches. Uh, that was that was pretty much the high point of the season for Corey Kluber yeah. uh, throwing that game. That was before he shaved his beard off. <laughs> uh, I was right. It's, it's like Samson. <laughs> yeah. Real, real quickly, uh, the uh, the owners today re-upped with Rob Manfred. Uh, he's going to be the commissioner through 2024, I believe. Right. So that'll five-year deal. Five-year deal. About a decade worth of Rob Manfred. Uh, what can Rob Manfred get done in in the next five years that will will leave his stamp on the game of baseball? 
Well, he can probably. I think he's been working hard toward, you know, speeding the game up, taking the dead time out of the game, you know, and uh, it, it has not uh, sat well with the players. Uh, he's got, what, they've got like 21 years of labor peace, uh, which is, you know, I think is on the table now. He's got the the, the basic agreement. They kind of uh, – you know, they, 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 they did, the owners did a great job against the players in the last two agreements. Mm-hmm. They, they've, uh, they've come out on top in, in a lot of areas, uh, and the players are not happy. The, Tony Clark is not happy, the uh, head of the Players Association. So it's going to be interesting to see just how Manfred can uh, advance his uh, program of, you know, pace of play, pitch clock, uh, you know, put more action in the game, is he going to take away the shift? You know, all that. You know, I think that's all on the table. And he, as a commissioner, he can, he can, inst- he can just put that in mm-hmm. without players' approval. So we'll see how that goes. I think that's his big agenda. Uh, you know, this is a guy that, you know, was at the forefront of the steroid, uh, the steroid testing plan and the labor relations plan under Bud Selig. And this is the guy that, that, uh, that removed Wahoo from uh, <laughs> his uniforms. That was one of his, uh, his accomplishments. biggest accomplishments in the first first half of his tenure. Is uh, he was, is, is the elimination of Chief Wahoo? Yeah, he went after the chief. All right. And well, I think this guy's a smart guy. He uh, he he uh, you know, but he's got some. He's he's going to have some uh, problems with the players' association in the years ahead. Here, I think you know you hear here's some uh, saber rattling. Uh, acrimony. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, none of that here. Uh, Hoinsey, another good one. Uh, we uh, look forward to keeping an eye on all the uh, all the movements and machinations and all that as the off season progresses. We will talk to you again next week. All right, Joe. Thanks, man.